Hi, this is Shauna. And Mike. And we work at Live Bay Lash here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we are today's guest announcers. You can find us on Instagram at Live Bay Supplies. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, this podcast was created so you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is LashCast Podcast, and here's your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by lash professionals and for lash professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. First, I want to give a big shout out to Mike and Shauna from Live Bay Lash for being our guest announcers. And if you're not already doing this, you need to go check out their podcast. Uh, it's also called Live Bay. And you go check out their podcast. It's both on YouTube as on all the podcast channels out there. They're amazing, guys. You'll love them. Today, we're very excited for our very first episode of 2021 to have actually a very unique couple that are coming on who are doing something, I think, very special. Joseph and Lena from Lash Bar basically own a franchise. Now, I know a lot of you go, well, franchise, that's not so special. There's a bunch of franchises. Well, their franchise is a little bit different. You have the big ones, right? Lash Lounge, Amazing Lash, Deca Lashes. They are doing something in the sense that no one else I think is doing. They only allow lash artists to own their businesses or the franchise. You can't just be someone who wants to get into business with them and just pay them a lot of money and open a franchise. You actually have to be a trained, licensed um, esthetician or, or I should say lash artist. So it's very cool. They're really trying to do something different, which I think is really important because in the lash world, I've heard this many times when I interview people who had worked at other franchises, they say their biggest pain point was always that the owner did not understand the struggles that they were going through. They did not understand how hard it was with the time demands that they were asking for because they themselves don't do lashes. So they just think, well, you should be able to do this in this amount of time, just get over it. And so it was very frustrating for them. So here's a case now where finally the owners of these businesses, these lash companies or lash bars, they all do lashes themselves, or at least at some point did, so they will be much more, I think, empathetic and sympathetic to the employees who work there. So we thought it would be really cool to get them on. Joseph and Lena were really, really interesting. Um, a lot of great stuff in this episode. Hopefully you'll get encouraged, and hopefully maybe you'll reconsider it. Maybe you'll want to get out. Maybe can, I know their goal is to have more franchises, so maybe if you have your own business and you're struggling, you need someone to get, help you give you a structure, and they also do you know coaching and training along the way, maybe it'd be a good opportunity for you to reach out to them and actually consider an opportunity of becoming a franchisee of Lash Bar. That all said, before we get into that, let me get into a couple announcements or a few real quick. First, LashCon t-shirts are on for sale. If you just go to the link in our bio or the show notes here, you can go get a t-shirt from LashCon for only $32. Also, we are taking applications for speakers, guys. So if you want to be a speaker for LashCon, this is your chance. You just go to our link in our bio, both here in our show notes or in our Instagram, and you can fill out the application. Just look in. You'll see all the requirements on there, and we'll probably pick one or two people from this list. I try to pick most of the people I go out and I directly contact because I look at for speakers to speak at our conferences, not just last ones, but businesses and marketing conferences. And then I bring them here because really LashCon is about introducing new voices to you guys. So that's why we bring people from outside the industry, but we also want to bring at least a, a couple new voices to you that are from our industry that you maybe haven't heard before. So if you've got the stuff, go fill it out. Even if you don't think you do, you might surprise yourself. So go fill it out and apply to be a speaker. Last, we're always looking for guest announcers, guys. So if you would like to be on this podcast, promote yourself a little bit. In fact, I just had, we just interviewed someone recently who was our was a guest announcer like two years ago, and we actually had them just actually on the show to interview them. I won't talk about who they are yet, but we're really excited about that. So who knows? Maybe this will be your first introduction to us, and then eventually you maybe you'll get to be a guest on our show. So Please go to the script that's in the bio. Just record on your phone, on your computer, a quick video or voice memo. It doesn't matter. Anyway, just send it to me and you can be on our show. I've yet to reject anyone from being a guest announcer. So your chances are very high. All right, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Now let's get into our episode where we get to sit down with Joseph and Lena and talk about what it's like to run a last franchise. Hey guys, 
guys, we are so excited. We have today Lena and Joseph from Last Bar join us. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I was going to say, it was so cool. Joseph really just a couple of weeks ago reached out to me out of the blue. And I, I mean, I get inquiries all the time. So sometimes I'm like, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. But I think when Joseph and I got on, we spoke like I think for an hour and a half or something like that. It just, we mm-hmm. just kept talking and talking, talking. So Really, really excited to meet you. I've got to vouch for this. For the past week, he's been talking about Joseph and Lena. Oh, my gosh. We've got to share this with our audience because you guys are doing something quite unique. And I think that our listeners are going to get a lot from it. Yeah. I mean, hopefully with you two, we'll be able to kind of explore this whole idea of franchising. By the way, have you guys been running the franchise well, let's tell everyone, it's the last bar, and you guys are based in San Diego, and you guys have been doing this for at least a while now. So maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into the franchise business, because that's not a natural progression for most last artists, and you know how long you've been doing it. Yeah, so Lena and I kind of moved fast. You know, we've been married for maybe only like five years now. <laughs> and, you know, we... we you have 18 we, kids. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> so we met like for... 10 months, then we got engaged, and 10 months later, we got married. Oh, and wow. then two months later, we opened our first Slash Bar in 2016. Wow. That's uh, a whirlwind. So we're kind of like movers. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just Lena's like a workaholic. She, she works 24 hours a day. But yeah, we, we, we started in 2016. And just, you know, with the idea of, of Lena was from originally from the Bay, and then she moved to Florida with her parents and then we met we got married and she, i moved over here because i wasn't going to live in florida um, <laughs> he was he was he was, so, he was. <laughs> what part of florida can i just ask yeah orlando uh, Orlando. Oh, okay my parents live in florida they live in brooksville which is a tiny north little, of tampa bay right about two hours two hours yeah and their biggest city is ocala you know so. yeah, okay. yeah she says orlando because most people don't know st cloud so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but we know disney world that's where we yeah. actually went for our honeymoon <laughs> That's where we went for our first date. Oh, really? Oh, love it. <laughs> Just love Disneyland. We're, we're yeah. Disney people. We always have season uh, passes for Disneyland in our backyard. So that's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, so you know, I have my own, own print company as well. Oh. So when we got married, she started working with me. And then we, we, we tried to make it work, but it didn't because she's an artist. You know, yeah. she, mm-hmm. she likes to be creative. And with printing, it's like a system. Like, you you got to follow this system. This is when clients come in. You mm-hmm. print this. You design this. And it was just one of her. So she's been doing hair for over 20 years. Oh, wow. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's one of those where, you know, she took a cosmetology class in, in high school. Oh, wow. Okay. that's It's funny because a lot of our employees now are like, when did that ever happen? You know, <laughs> that is really great. So, did you grow up in Florida, or did you grow up in California? Oh, from the Bay Area. I lived in Florida for just a few years oh, okay. um, before I met Joseph. Oh, cool. And We're from the Bay Area too. We're from I'm San from Jose. Cupertino, and she was from San Jose. Oh, me too, San Jose. Yay! Did you go to high school in San Jose? Yeah, Willowglen. Oh, no. oh, really? My parents yeah. lived in Willow Glen for many, many years. In fact, his sister still lives there. I went to Gunderson High School in South San Jose. Yeah. yeah. I went to Monta Vista. Very cool. Monta Vista, like... with, I saw right Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and all of them right in their, that first Apple's bill was right next to my junior high. So, very cool. cool. Well, that's awesome. That's, I knew we liked you. <laughs> <laughs> We connected yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your start. So were you doing hair at the time and then you started a lash salon? Can you walk us through that progression? Yeah. So during high school I took the elective as you know in beauty school. Mm-hmm. And then so right after that I just went to haircutting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> into hair and I just like fell in love with it. Did it for so long. And I thought this is for sure I'm gonna retire doing hair. Yeah. But then um took a lash course and just kind of wanted to learn and then what's uh what's new and I just fell in love with lashes like I just after that I told Joseph like I don't think I want to do hair anymore I want to do lashes I thought she was crazy and he's like are you sure you're really good at hair there's a lot of good money in hair right yeah Yeah. you're established in hair you're gonna try something different are you crazy yeah Yeah. Yeah. He, he literally was like are you sure are you really sure are you okay that was 2016 when she moved here okay. and because she didn't work at the print shop. So then I just, I, I was like, Hey, you should maybe just get a booth rental somewhere. Okay. That way you're flexible. Uh-huh. You can do your own thing. And then like two months before we got married, she's like, you know what? It's always been a dream of mine to have my own place with a team of girls that I can feel like family. So for me, it's like, sure. Why not? 
So we went out and looked at different places to buy because we were like, you know what, why don't we just buy somewhere? It's already established mm-hmm. and we don't have to change much, you know. In San Diego here, La Jolla is probably like one of the, the high-end places to yeah. have a salon. Oh, we yeah. found a salon there, 600 square feet. They were, they were trying to sell it to us for 40000 We negotiated down to 20000 But then they were like, well, everything in here is booth rental. Oh, and then, no. and we're like, well, we don't like the aesthetic, so we're gonna have to change it too. So we realized it was gonna be twenty thousand plus another thirty thousand to fix it up. And the funny thing is that the owner wants to continue working there, and it just kind of drew a red flag. Like, oh, that's just drama. Central. You guys dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> you dodged a bullet. You've been working there for ten years, and now now you want to sell it, but you still want to work there. Mm-hmm. And, and so, thank God it didn't work out. And we that experience we met with them a couple times we were like you know what we should just open our own thing yeah and we looked at two places and uh luckily there was a space right next door to my print shop and oh. they were like let's just let's just open it up there like at least you know we're close enough we can share internet we can yeah i can pick up the phone for you and if there's an emergency i'll run i'll run over oh, yeah perfect yeah i kind of started off from there very cool. So then you open up your first place. Did you have staff right off the bat or was it just you by yourself, Lena, kind of just getting busy and building the clientele? We had a staff like one, one, just, it was just one, interestingly. So then we opened the first line and we, we were just thinking of names and names. And I'm like, I really want to do lashes, but I do have clientele for hair. So let's, let's call it Lash Bar. Um, but I'll have a hair station in the back so you can mm. take care of my existing clients. And we hired um, one of um, our friends. She was currently, she was doing nails. Um, so we, uh, you know. Um, we, we convinced her. her. Yeah, we <laughs> recruited her. We, you know, she had a little bit of experience in lashes. We kind of taught her how to do lashes. And then she brought one of her friends in. So in the beginning, um, when we, we had a grand opening in, uh, in New Year's of 2017, had Lena and, and two staff. Oh, wow. Um, that's like really going for it. But I guess because you had the hair clientele, you felt like you had enough of business going on that you could help yeah. float the company during that time. And yeah. You know, I, I think what, what really for us is, you know, which I always talk about is the calculated risk, you know, like you want to make sure that when you dive into something, you got a backup plan, right? So our backup plan was, well, at least we got the print shop covering our bills. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to worry about that. And then the rent over at the, at the shop, worst case, all of Lena's clients can take care of that. So, you know, even if we have to struggle for a year or whatever, at least we, we, we know we, we can float the, the, the rent. So you did a ramp where you could say we could burn. We had, a lot of times investors call it bur- your burn, right? It's like, how, how long can you go before you actually make money? You guys have sat down, calculated those numbers. You said, no, we can do this for a year and we're going to be okay because we have our basic costs are there. We have enough money coming from the other business to help pay for this. So it wasn't like we got to be out of the gate making, you know, $5,000 profit or we're done in three months. Right. So I think, exactly. I think a lot of people are scared of that when they start their place, they don't know, like, how do you do that? Did you guys just sit down with an, a CPA or an accountant or is it something you did yourself to just kind of figure out the numbers and kind of worked it all out? Yeah, it was just kind of ourselves. I mean, I, I think we're risk takers, you okay. know, we, we look at the numbers, how much it's going to cost for us to open, to build out, to do everything we needed to do. I mean, the location that we picked didn't give us TIs. And so, yeah. you know, we did that without that. But, you know, I think we really talked about it. And and this is something that we, you know, we knew that Lena was going to do, you Six know. Six days a week. For, for, for a long <laughs> yeah. time, you know, you know, you know, she was doing hair. We still had a hair station there. And then lashes, you know, I was still... I was still iffy about, I'm like, lashes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know you're going to make money, but make sure you have the hair station in there, <laughs> yeah, okay? exactly. But luckily, you know, it got to a point where she was getting more busy with lashes than hair, and then she was, like, turning hair clients away, and then wow. next thing you know, we, we got rid of the hair station. That's amazing. And you were called Lash Bar right out the gate, too? That was your name right from the get-go? Yeah, it was, it was Lash Bar, and, uh, you know. Well, it, was, it was, like, a few different names, right? But hair Labs. What's it? Lash Labs. Um. Lots of labs. <laughs> you know, I, I came up with like different names. Like I, I'm the type, like we have to have our own domain. We mm-hmm. have to have this yeah. before we yeah. start. We bought so many domains. You, you know, and, and I'm like, do we really need this? And, and Lido was just like, you know what? It's, it's just going to be us. So, it's, you know, we're not going to be some big company. We just call it Lash Bar. It's, even though yeah. it's like everybody, it's like it's such a common name, but it's okay. Just call ourselves Lash Bar. It's really clear and it really explains what it is. You know, well, I think people call themselves lash bars. They'll say, yeah, I run a lash bar or a lash salon. You know, so I think it's great that you actually got the name. You got the domain and I'm guessing you could do to get the trademark too, right? 
Yep. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. High 2016, five. 11 years, 12 years after the industry started it, you guys could nag, snag both the domain and the trademark at that point. You would think someone would have had gotten it by then. That's quite impressive. Yeah. I, I think the, 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 the domain for sure, somebody else had it. I was very uh, persistent in the fact that I, I emailed the guy every single month for over a year. Oh, wow. Before, okay. Before he actually allowed me to get it. Because in the beginning, we were just like Lash Bar SD. So like yeah. Lash Bar San Diego. You yeah. Know? yeah. But uh, once we became a, a franchise, I, I knew that we had to, you know, if we want to go, go big with this, we have to have the domain. And so we, we did that and we, we went out to get the trademark. And luckily, you know, we were able to get it. So. No, that's great. Because I know that's something we struggled with. We lost our trademark for LashCon to another company for our, mm-hmm. a big event that we do. We call it still nickname it LashCon, but we don't. People uh, can call it LashCon, but, but in, in print, it's a Lash It's always going to have to be the last conference, which you can't trademark, by the way, because it's so generic. And then also uh, good, our good friends, Mike and Shana, they lost theirs for Sassy Lash. They had it. It, was just, it used to be Sassy now. Yeah, and they me. lost it because they didn't have a trademark and someone had it elsewhere and actually sued them for it. So And so it's crazy stuff. And they were being blackmailed, basically, for their name. So, um, because they had gotten successful and all that. And, and so the person thought they were worth billions at that point. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, Good for right. you guys. I'm really impressed because that's, uh, that, I mean, sometimes people don't do stuff because they think it's already done. They're like, oh, I can't do that. Or I can't do this or do that. It's like, you don't know what is actually capable of you until you try. And I think it's great that you guys said, you know what? We're going to call it Last Bar. And I think it's one of the be best persistent. names out there. And yeah. I'm just make it happen. Be persistent. Don't take no for an answer. And eventually, you know, it worked out for you guys. So kudos to you everything was like planned out by God. Like we didn't, you know, came in with the idea of just being a small mama pop shop. And, you know, one thing led to the next, like everything just kind of went with the flow. And I think God just kind of keep, you know, opening the doors for us. And it was really smooth. Yeah. And everything grateful for everything seemed planned, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's about six months into opening Lash Bar. That's when we got approached by someone who said, we like your concept. We like your decor. We like what you're doing. Can you help us open one? Wow. wow. Was that the and first time you, you went ahead with it? You guys walked through the process and kind of developed your franchise process with this other person? Yeah. So originally they wanted to just be partners, mm-hmm. right? And we kind of thought about the different scenarios. Like, okay, we were partners and I have my fair share of partners as well in my previous businesses. And it's really hard to find the right partner. Yeah. So we really looked into the different models and we, we, we saw that franchising was a, was a way that we can continue to support the individuals. But, you know, we weren't so in the day-to-day where we're, we're like overseeing them where they can't be free. Yeah. You know, because Lena always tells me, you got to think from a stylist standpoint, you know, yeah. and if we're there, yeah, we have a system. But if, if we're there every single day saying you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, it's, it's going to be a horrible Stifling, yeah. 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 So we decided to go franchising instead. And and uh, when we officially started franchising with that first couple that uh, we, we met, we ended up opening our first five locations in the first year. Whoa. See, that, that, that's like when an outsider is looking in, you could see that's really blessed. I mean, yeah. it's almost like doors were open for you. It was like, here is the path laid out for you. And, and you guys took it. So that's, that's now, really cool. Did they open all five of those as a franchisee or did you guys get different people after? Like they, they kind of paved the road and then all these other people lined up and kind of fell into place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they owned one at the time and then we, we had somebody else come in and then we, I met somebody bowling and then, you know. <laughs> Hey, bowling. They, they, they signed on. I remember you talking about bowling and uh, beauty together or something, yes. right, Paul? Yeah. Well, I, used to, I grew up as a bowler. I was at the bowling alley two, he three days a week. He had his own ball and his own shoes. Yeah. When we first got married, I'm like, what yeah. is this? I, want, I wanted to be a professional bowler when I was a kid. Then then I got older and I realized that probably wasn't going to happen. Actually, no. <laughs> when, he, when we first met, he told me when he was a little kid, he wanted to be a missionary bowler. Yeah, I wanted to be a bowl, bowling missionary is what I called it. Paul, <laughs> I, I plan to go to the um, – the PBA uh, tournament next year. Oh my gosh! I'll oh, invite really? you. Wow, oh my dude! Gosh, that's fantastic. I used to watch Chris Schnagel. Was it Schnagel? I forgot his name. Back in the seventies and eighties, every Saturday after not every, I think during bowling season, I forget his name. It's Chris something. He passed away in the nineties, but I watched him every Saturday for like fifteen years watching them bowling and my bowling uncle actually geek. my uncle actually is a semi-pro i guess you could say he, <laughs> yeah, he competes yeah. i'm definitely not a professional they, they, they just have an annual uh annual bowling event out in vegas every year and, and anybody can join yeah and 
you know, my brother-in-law won some money last time he was out there. So oh, I mean, get out! Yeah. That would be a blast. Yeah. Well, you I, love I, that. I, don't, I, I don't have a ball anymore. Oh, I, well, she, you know, I have no ball. I don't have any shoes, and I also that's all right. You're still good. You're still, every time we go as a family, he like he like he no, he does a really good job. All of us get smoked. I even have to have the gutter ball, uh, the gutter things in it (laughs) because I'm not good. The bumpers. The bumpers. (laughs) I want the bumpers. Oh. (laughs) Hey, no, that's really cool. Well, there's very few people seem like in this world who actually enjoy bowling. I actually sadly almost had to give it up because I felt like no one in my life likes bowling. So I used to – I was even give up bowling? Yeah, I can't give up bowling. Put that on me. No, no, it's on you. It's on everyone in my life. You're the first person I've met who actually bowls. in like 20 years well i have a question we do know there are a couple different brands that do franchises for lash quite a few actually but what's different about your approach correct me if i'm wrong is that you really only sell to people who understand lashes right it's not somebody who's just you know walking off the street saying i'm looking for a good investment where you know you you know amazing lash you can you can do that or even like massage envy, that kind of stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your approach is that you have to be a lash artist in order to buy one of your franchise. Yeah, currently all of our locations are owned by artists. I would say some didn't have their license when they first started, but they had a passion for lashes. Okay. We helped them with apprenticeship programs and things like that, that they can get their license along the way. But yeah, I mean, ultimately all of them do have their, their, their license to do lashes. And I, I think it's important because... You're not going to love your business unless you really understand your business. I think we get approached by a lot of people who do have extra funding or or are retired and saying, I just want to own a business that it kind of run itself and I can make some extra money on it. And I always ask them like, well, how how involved are you going to be in the business? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not involved in the business, it's hard to control quality. It's it's hard to really um, build a a long lasting business if if you're not in it. You know, I think... COVID was a true testament to that, you know, because all of our locations were owned styluses, we're going into what, like six, seventh month of, of COVID yeah. and all of our locations are open and they're thriving. They're That's still amazing. doing wow. just as well as uh, they were when they were closed. So, I mean, before that, before COVID closes down. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a testament to, to the lash industry and, and people who love lashes and, uh, you know, styluses who, want to be in it is, is, is they're gonna, you're gonna work harder you know it's, yeah. it's, it's business. Yes. I think you're right because from a lash artist perspective I think that if you try to somebody tries to tell you or coach you and they have no point of reference of what you're dealing with or or the pain points that we deal with on a daily basis I mean how do you handle when the client's like making a big deal because the light's too bright or the pad is too moving up or, you know, squirming in the seat. So if you don't have any experience with lashes, you're really not going to be able to approach that in the same kind of way. I mean, that's what I think. No, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing I hear, like with people who come out of some of these other brands where they've worked in a salon, I think the most common complaint is the owners have no idea how to do lashes. So they make these demands on their staff Without knowing or understanding the, the, the pain points that the staff is going through. It's just like, well, just do it faster. I mean, that's always probably was the biggest complaint. It's like, oh, yeah, I get a little bit better. And I go, okay, well, now your point, instead of your fill time being an hour and 15, now it's an hour. It's like, so the reward for being getting better is that they have to do lashes so quickly now that they're bad again. And so, <laughs> and they would get frustrated by these unrealistic expectations because, you know, and while salons have to be run by numbers, you have to look at protocols, you have to have systems and they have to make sense and they have to make money. They have to have a profit. You can't just do stuff because it feels good. But at the same time, I think that I'm going to bet your people, because they actually do the work themselves, they're at least a little bit more understanding and they will work a little bit more carefully with the people they hire to try to accomplish the goals that the company needs to make so they can make money. I think most stylists, you know, when you, when you come in, you want to work for a salon, you're looking for a mentor, you know, you're you're looking for somebody who can guide you to become better. Right. And, and, you know, that person being an owner who loves their business is going to love their employees, you know, and so they're going to do their best to try to help their employees grow because if the employees grow, they're going to grow and their business is going to flourish. And so it's all this unique, you know, synergy that has to happen in order for you to really have a successful business. And so that's our idea. You know, Mm -hmm. Lena, like I said, Lena always tells me, you got to look in the stylist's perspective. Because if the stylist is happy, they're going to translate that to the customers Mm -hmm. and they can do it. Oh, yeah. they have a team and they, you know, if you care, 
you can do great work, but you have to care. Exactly. Yeah. That's the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. I always told our staff, here's the way the circle of life works in the salon world. My job as the manager is to take care of you, not the clients. I my every day wake up and I need to think how can I make my staff's life better? Whether through better training, better systems, better management styles, whatever it is. Learn how to lead, learn how to build a team. That's my job. And I and take then- care of them. And then they turn around and their job is to take care of the clients. And really make sure that their needs are met. And then the amazing thing, if we all do our jobs right, the clients will then take care of the business because then they'll pay us money with you know little people's faces on them. And that is the circle of business. Like you do that. If, but what happens often is I felt like my temptation was to jump the gun and care about the client sometimes before the employee. And that type of break of trust d- would destroy things. Like if so I so the stylist would be like, well, they don't care yeah. about making sure this or that or whatever. They're just involved in the client. Like when I was behind the chair and I didn't quite understand so much that I really, I mean, as an owner, I had two things pulling against me, the client that's in front of me and then the staff, they both need support. And I wasn't good at doing both. So that's why I brought Paul on. But you know, when I was able to just focus on the client, knowing that he's going to be able to take care of the staff, it just changed the whole dynamic. And our staff got their needs met and, and you clients were happy. And you staff on to manage and grow within the team. So they start caring for themselves, right? So I'm guessing for you guys, you find your franchisees. Are these people that at some point worked with you or worked for you? Or are they mostly other last artists that come to you saying, hey, I really like what you're doing. I want to be part of it. A mix of both. We have people we we just meet or they just look at the website and they call us. Um, And there's some people that we know and we worked with before. And even at our corporate salon right now that we have, you know, we, we let the girls know that our job here is to help you become most successful of whatever you want to be. So if you want to just be a lash artist, great. If you want to be a manager, let's work on how do you, how you become a manager. If you want to be a potential owner, let's work on that as well. And, okay. and I, I think it really takes your heart with a lot of stylists that, that, that at our location. It's because, you know, some of them don't want to own their own business. You know, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm happy the way I am. Just help me get more clients to, so I can make a little bit more money. I'm good. And there's the ones that are very like, you know, wants to work six days a week, wants to, you know, own their own salon, wants to, you know, go out there and just, you know, rule the world. You know, so yeah. you kind of got to you help mold each of them into their, their goals. And I think help them achieve the best that they can be like, you know, kind of help them with their dreams and goals. Because yeah. everyone's going to have a different goal in life, like whether to own a salon or they want to be a master trainer, or they want to um, just be really good at lashing, you yeah. know, so that you just, you know, mentor and give them, um, give them a lot of attention why they need so that when they grow and master their craft, they can help in the new girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's our one of the big mistakes we had early when we start hiring is that we just felt like we lived in this fearful mentality that they were going to leave. So we were always like, oh, they're just going to come, take clients and leave. And then actually some did. And we kind of got what we looked for, I felt like. And as we got further into it, just, you know, the last couple of years, I finally felt we had figured it all out where we really realized not just caring for our team, but investing in them. Like you said, mentoring them. I felt like my job was not just to help them become better lash artists, but become better people. And so when right. we did our train, we had a team meetings every month for, it was like a three hour team meeting. That team meeting would be full of first, just in the first hour was all focused on inspiring and, and cheering on the team saying, thank you, giving out prizes, feeding them lunch and all that stuff. Honoring was, them. Yeah. Honoring them. We really make sure that they felt appreciated and loved. The second hour was more about training, equipping policies, changes, stuff like that. And then the third hour was really most, almost like personal development like we would just find things to help them with their character help them to make better decisions in life and we'd invest in and in, or inspire them like you know something to aspire to what can you live for why, why are you doing what you do and asking those type of questions so i felt like yeah. our meetings really became transformational over the, in the last couple of years and really were helpful and that's why our team actually really liked coming to our team meetings where in the first like like Eight, nine years earlier, our team meetings were like everyone had their faces just staring at the ground, just waiting for it to end. It was so boring and informational and just non, non-helpful. Just, we didn't care. We just saw them as our tools that we were using to get what we needed from our business. And that was just a horrible way to run a business. So I feel like for you guys, it sounds like obviously that kind of care and real love and, and attention is being paid to the people. And I'm guessing it's probably one of the big reasons why people would want to work with you is they going to get more than just here's a business, here's a here turnkey solution. Let's go open your, your company now, right? Yeah, I, I think like if you if you take a look at most salon owners today, I mean, 
I mean, that's why you guys have the last con and, and whatnot to try to help business owners, you know, learn how to become better business owners, right? Because, yeah. you know, when you open a salon, you're, you're no longer just the lash artist. You're the business owner. You're the marketing. So, so the now <laughs> you, you took on two jobs and, you know, two businesses, actually, honestly, instead of one. That's very difficult in itself. And I think for us, you know, I, I, we just want to be able to let lash artists be lash artists and be the best lash artist you can be. We've, uh, we're going to continue to here to learn and have these systems to help you run your business so that your business is, can be successful. And when you're ready to pass on the business to your, your managers and whatnot, I mean, it's still going to run, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a business that's going to last versus owning a job. Like Lena, if she continued to do booth renting after she decides that, you know, uh, my arms are tired, I can't do hair anymore. I mean, there's no retirement. There's nothing, there's nothing left afterwards, which is why you know, for, for us, our employees have 401ks, you know, that's we, we want to, we want to make sure they have a career out of it, you know. And Lena told me there's nothing like this in, in, in the industry. So we yeah. had to care. Yeah, there's so, not. That's remarkable. That's fantastic. Now, is that something that you encourage all of your franchises to do and implement those kinds of forum benefits? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a requirement. So. Oh, that's okay. great. Well, I want to talk about nuts and bolts here, and give our listeners some nuggets here. Can you talk about why would somebody open a salon with you versus um, just, call, just yeah, trying to own. do it themselves? Yeah. You know, what what kind of what do you offer, and who are the right candidates to franchise with you? Yeah, I mean, I deal with this more than Nina's. So I'll continue talking <laughs> too much sometimes. Well, he's good at the business side. Um, yeah, so when we meet with you know uh, potential partners, you know we re- really look to see you know why why they want to open their business, you know, and the, the why is important. If you're thinking about opening your own salon really ask yourself why are you, are you trying to show everybody else that you, Hey, I got a salon, you know, and, yeah. or are you doing it because you're really passionate about, you know, having, uh, you know, a last salon, you're passionate about teaching you, you care about others, you know, and you want to have a place where people can do that. Then I think that's really the first step in saying, okay, I think I should open a salon. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think the difference, between, you know, with you know opening yourself and versus opening with us. I mean, honestly, if you open yourself, I mean, I think that's a great thing to do. You know, I, I don't feel like it's competition that you want to open your own lash salon versus opening a lash bar. You know, if you want to give me a call and ask me questions, sure. I mean, I, I get a lot of people calling about, hey, you know, I want to open a franchise with you. You know, and <laughs> they ask, oh, well, how many square foot should I open? And <laughs> this information you know and i'm like sure here here's all the information you need you know i never hear back from them yeah you know become a consultant at that point that works Mm -hmm. for free (laughs) yeah but it's okay you know i I think if if they can go out there and do their thing that's great i think that the real value what we provide is a system and support that you're going to have to learn the hard way right so and what price can you put on that mm -hmm. the hard way yeah, I mean, you're, you're paying a, a minimal amount, but not only are we going to help you to start your business, we're going to help you continue to grow your business. You know, we're going to be partners for life, for, for the lifetime of the business. And so, you know, just like if you take a course on how to do business management after the course is done, you got to take out and you got to do your own business plan. You got to do your own thing versus us. It's like, okay, here we have this business plan. This is how you implement it. Let me walk your hand through it. Make sure that you do it right. If you're not doing it right, you know, hey, so and so, you gotta you gotta work on it a little bit. Let's 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 let do it better. So it's a continual relationship that knowing that you know you're always gonna have support. You know, and and sometimes it's not just business support, but it's mental support. We have franchise partners who, whenever they get a bad Yelp review, they're they're angry and they they need a vent. <laughs> and I tell them before you go on to Yelp and respond, you need a vent. Call me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I used to get phone calls at like, you know, 12 o'clock a.m. because that's, that's when they're working yeah. and like going on and on about like, you know, what we did everything right. We did this, like the, the client, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, I listen and kind of coach them through how to respond properly yeah. so that you know, it, it, it still grows their business. So I think that's right. a value add, right, is, is having that that partner that's got to be there for you, but also continue to learn to help you grow your business. You're basically hiring you guys as a coach. You're going to be there coaching them and mentoring them through the whole process. So, and most lash artists, 
have never worked in the salon. I mean, most last artists literally get out of beauty school, go get, or other way around, go get, get their certification for license and then realize, ah, crap, I have to go go to the beauty school one way or another. And then they're told you're an idiot if you go work in a salon. So go open your own business and be a lash boss, which if you listen to our podcast long enough, you know, I don't think that's the best for our industry. I think that's the worst advice because I think what happens is you'd never have worked with other people. You have no idea of what's how the businesses are run. You have no train, no background. You're just literally winging it, hoping to succeed somehow. And you probably have, no offense, bad customer service skills. You probably have bad even lash skills because you're not being mentored or trained by anyone. You're just kind of winging it on your own. Two days is not enough. And so I love this idea of encouraging people, go work in a salon for a while. Learn. Let's follow the hair world. The hair world, that's how you do it. People don't graduate from beauty school and immediately open up their own hair salon. It just rarely ever happens. It's expected mm-hmm. to be mentored. You're supposed to be trained, equipped. And maybe in a couple of years, usually three, four, five years, then you can think about going opening up your home place. And I would think we would really benefit our industry a lot if people would just get trained, get mentored, and get equipped like you guys do. Or if you are going to open a salon, I don't think it's a bad idea. The franchise model, but I know it's going to be more expensive you're gonna you're gonna find out it's gonna be very expensive either way. You're gonna pay a lot more yeah. with bad mistakes, bad systems, and bad yeah I, I, training. I think that I think that's that's the myth too, right? I, I think that when you think about a franchise model, you're you're paying you know you know the, the franchise fee, and then you're paying the royalties and different things like that. But I but I you know I I think what ends up happening is you know most people talk about um, when you open a business, don't expect to be profitable or get your money back for three to five years. Yeah. Right? Your, your initial investment. And, and and so the reason why, because you have that cycle of learning, yeah. right? So you go out, you open it, you know, you spent so-and-so dollar amount on marketing. All those clients who came in, had a bad experience. They left. Yeah. So you have to do more marketing and you continue that cycle till you realize, well, I have to have good customer service. And but, so by that time, you know, a year, two years, three years gone by, you still haven't made any money yet. Yeah. And finally, when it finally clicks, then you're like, okay, finally. Or some people don't learn till it's too late and they have to close down. Yeah. And plus you get all the stress and you get all the different things that come with it. But I think with the franchise, depending on who you go with, I mean, we really help you to become successful. Because if you're not successful, it looks really bad. On you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you know, thankfully for us, I mean, a, a lot of our, all of our, our salons have been uh, profitable. And, you know, I, I know one of our franchise partners you know she was able to get back her initial investment she paid off over a hundred thousand dollars in student loans in her first year wow and she opened her second location. oh yeah she opened her second second location with us wow. so That's fantastic. well i think what's great what people don't get is that you guys one thing i've already figured out a turnkey solution what a turnkey solution means in the franchise world is like they literally will give you a book that tells you how to run your salon here is how you do how, here's how you open or greet guests. Here's how you do a last appointment. Here's how you follow up. Here's how you set up your finances. Here's how you set up your marketing. Here's how you, and they're going to walk you through all that as a franchise, uh, as the owners of the franchises, they or not the franchise, but the, uh, the mother company, I guess you could say, you guys are there to coach and walk them through that. And that's huge. Cause if you've never done that before, you really will make a lot of mistakes. You own. we paid a coaching company, $12,000 a year for like six years. So we paid 60 some thousand dollars for coaching to help us learn to be better business and salon owners. And in a sense, they're going to be getting that with you guys. It's like built in. And it's built in. And what's really beautiful is that you guys automatically are getting data points back from seven other companies on a regular basis. What's working, what's not working. It's like the- It's your own you, lab. You, you have your own lab. You can call it your own lash lab. And uh, and now <laughs> you have this thing giving you instant feedback. So you guys see the big picture, which you'll see trends, you'll see problems. And then you can feed that back to your franchisees saying, guys, hey, this is working over here. Why don't you try this? And so that, that way, again, you're not on your own. By yourself, just trying to make it up as you go is so difficult. I cannot stress how hard it is. Yeah, I think you mentioned it too, Paul, you know, prior is, is that you know what we're trying to do in the last community is try to get everybody to work together to come up with the right pricing to work together on, on letting individuals customers know about the lash industry and the education of it right yeah and that's the idea like we open locations so that we can get the data points we can learn from each other we uh send out sample you know we, we have our own line of lashes and so we we have our master stylists at every location test them out, you know, say, Hey, is, is it good? Like if it's not good, let's throw it out. Like, just not even worry about it. Yeah. How's, how's these glues, you know, how's these mm-hmm. different things. So 
I think there's a huge benefit to working together. And that's why part of the reason why I reached out to Paul, because I think that, you know, if, if the last industry right now, we're the newest industry in, in, in the beauty segment and there's little to no information on it or, yeah. you know, this person down the street is doing it for $75 and there's no cohesiveness. Like you know, nobody's going to make any money and it's just going to look bad on the industry, yeah. you know, versus hair and nails. They've been around for, for a very long time. They, they, they've got it honed in, you know? Yeah. And so I think, you know, we, we really do have to work together and, and share knowledge, you know, um, there's plenty of space in the last space for everyone. Mm-hmm. We have a hundred locations. Doesn't mean you can't have a hundred locations of, you know, so-and-so salon, you know, like it's, Absolutely. it's, it's yeah. It's I mean, plenty. Tess favorite phrase is the pie is big enough. There's enough eyeballs for everyone to go around. You yeah. know, we can all thrive on, on, yeah. on the pie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then there will be many different levels of pie. There'll be the people who do it for low cost, and there'll be people who do it for mid and there'll be the ones that do it for high. And then that's okay. We don't have to disperse anyone from whatever part of the pie they decide to go after. Let them go after that pie. And if they're happy, they're happy. If they're not, then they can change <laughs> or go get some help from someone and learn how to maybe get franchise or, or run their own salon through coaching or training. So, um, yeah. So in terms of how much money people need to have to invest in a franchise, where can they find that information? Or I don't know if you're okay with talking about numbers here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Tons of franchise resources. You can Google and there's tons of information on franchising for us you know we have a range of about 135,000 to 270 depending on the size of space the area mm-hmm. you know um san diego here you're a little bit more dense and so you can have one every five to seven miles from here but yet florida i know florida like there's there you, you gotta travel like 40 minutes to go to the next mm-hmm. next town so, wow. so there's a lot of driving there so depending on you know, if you're in Florida, you might want a bigger space than that here in here in San Diego. You know, okay, yeah, go a little bit smaller. Which is the trend, by the way, in the in the hair world. I don't know if you guys follow trends, but we go to the conference called Serious Business every year. Actually, sadly, this year it's all online. But I was at last year's this con- well, this year's conference. It feels like last year, 2020. But a couple of these guys who build salons and they also run like two major or big chain hair salons. Like they used to build the all in one where it'd be like 50 hairstylists. You know, like five, 10,000 square feet salons. He goes, that is so, that's like done. Everyone's it's going so small. They're going like, like 1500 square feet, 2000 square feet, which feels like for us, well, ours was 3000. So we were, we felt pretty big, but still in the last world, that's not, I mean, that'd be monstrous for most last salons. I think most salons are probably, you know, a thousand to 2000 max. But that said, I think depending on your area, you're going to choose. I mean, maybe bigger if you're, I guess, right in the middle of nowhere and people drive an hour to you. But if you're in, Places like San Diego or LA, I think going smaller, a little leaner, was smarter, be more effective. Or we did this. I don't know if you guys did this, but we actually had two shifts. We had a 7 a.m. shift. That's well, they got there at 6 30, but they started at 7, they went to about 3, and then we had an evening shift that worked 3 into the evening. I don't know if you guys did well, We did like that, that because we wanted to maximize the hours. It worked great for uh, moms because they could be at home By with three. their kids. Yeah. Also, we had a monopoly in the early and the late hours. Yeah. Businesswomen loved the yeah. early morning appointments, so those always filled up. 7 a.m. was our most popular spot, actually, <laughs> which yeah. I never thought that would be true, but it was like, nah, man, boom, fill up yeah. in seconds. Like, it would never go without 7 a.m. So I don't know. Do you guys do anything like that? After 4.30, it's, it's busy too. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have that model and that system. Um, it just depends on, it depends on how many styles you do you, you have. You know, I, I think at the beginning, um, when you're building, um, we suggest just have one 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 time, yeah. 9.30 to 6.30 or 9.30 to 7. Just because, you know, the the, the, the stylists like to be around each other. Yeah. And and if, if you're and splitting it up, yeah, it encourages each other. If they're splitting up, you know, in the day, having two here, two here, you know, three there, they're, they're not doing fun. So once, usually once we get to like five, six, seven, eight styluses, then we start doing um, morning shift, late shift. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. They were scared, like, oh, clients won't like early mornings or they won't like late nights. Like we were open to 11 o'clock, 1130. And we had a lot of women that love the late night. They come in at eight, nine o'clock at night because they're younger usually. And there was more younger crowd, the night crowd. We always said it was like the party crowd came in the evenings and then the business crowd came in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So, but you kind of cater yourself to different op- audiences. 
if you think about it, most lash stylists are independent. They, they like their normal yeah. nine to five hours, yeah. you know? So, so there's only so many you can fit in, in, in those times. And so, you know, if you open in the morning, you're going to get all the clients that want the morning that can't have the morning, you yeah. know, and you, the late night, same thing. Nobody wants to work past eight, past nine. So if you do up to nine o'clock, you're getting a lot of the market there too. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, Let's get a little bit. I want to share your, your guys' knowledge because obviously you guys know a lot about opening salons. You've done it now, I guess, seven times, right? You have seven franchises or seven businesses. Yeah. So you, you don't know. You know a two. thing or two. And I thought we'd share it or try to give some of that feedback. And I know we have a lot of people listening to us who want at one point in their life, they're hoping to open up their own business beyond just themselves. They may are working somewhere or they work solo, but most people I talk to dream like, oh, I just – they, most of them aren't too ambitious. Like, oh, I just want one or two employees. I'm like, I'm like, go for it, man. If you're going to go and open and hire staff, think big. Think 10, 15, 20 someday. It'd be wonderful. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that way is actually, in some ways, it's easier. when you Once you get to a certain size, too, you, a piece falls out. You can just replace it a lot easier than when you only have one or two people. It can really be tight. One person leaves and one half of your business leaves. You know? So it's, it can be a little stressful in that type of environment. But that said, what do you feel like um, – uh, when should a lash artist consider being a salon owner? Like, what do you feel like is the thing that the lights that should be going off in their, I guess, in their head? Like, you know what? I think I'm ready for this next step because it is a big step and it's, and it's a scary one, I think, for a lot of people. And, and, and for those entrepreneurs who are truly entrepreneurs, probably a, a naive one where they have no idea, but they're just going to do it anyway. So maybe there's some things that you can say, Dad, if you're thinking this way or if this is going on in your salon, your business, I think you're ready for that next step. Yeah, I think when you feel like you're, you're you're stagnant and you want to learn more, but you can't, mm-hmm. I think that's probably an indicator, you know, like I've been here too long and what's next for me, you know, because when you come to a, a certain point, you're a junior stylist, senior stylist, master stylist, whatever you want to call yourself, and you get to a certain point and you're wondering what's next for me. And, and that could be a possibility, you know, if you're wondering, I mean, most yeah. people, master stylists like being master stylists, you know, they like going in the morning, coming home at night with their kids. And that's fine too. But if you really have this passion where you're like, man, I need to do something else. Like I know with Lena, like she's a workaholic, you know, she goes home. And for me, my body shuts down from the time I step through the door. (laughs) (laughs) Like it it doesn't want to work anymore and I'm forced to work. But for Lena, she's cooking or or she's doing things and and she's still talking about business and she's asking me questions. And sometimes it gets me annoyed and like, (laughs) that's that's the kind of mentality you have to have. If all you're thinking about is lashes all the time, all day, all night, (laughs) then then it's a good indicator that, that, that you you do you know want to do that i mean i think also it's really important if you're ready to take the next step uh to mentor and to coach and to create a team mm-hmm. so if you're ready for to take on that challenge if you're ready to you know just really put yourself out there to give everything you have mm-hmm. to the salon to your customers and to your employees if yeah. you're ready to share all your knowledge i think that's the next step yeah, I think wanting to give away stuff, cause something that I don't think people realize is when you become a salon owner, you're a leader. And mm-hmm. I don't think most people are ready for that. They don't understand that leadership means that – doesn't mean you get the boss people around. That is the, the last thing you're going to do because no one wants to work for a boss. That's why I sometimes almost think last boss is almost a little bit of a bad term because who loves a boss? People love a good leader Boss, I don't know, just for me, it always had a negative term. Term to me felt like, look, I don't want to be called boss. Don't call me boss. Because really, leadership is serving. It's learning yeah. to serve your team. It's like, what does my team need? When I woke up, I'm going, what does my team need? How can I make their life better? That's serving. And while it is leadership, what I call you know, servant leadership, where you serve by leading or lead by serving, I should say. And you, that means you wake up and you go into work and you may have to do stuff that as an owner, you're like, oh, I should be above this. This is beneath me, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, but- I was folding towels. I was you know, sweeping floors in between, helping people get the rooms turned over if they were running behind. I was at the front desk filling in all the time. Someone was sick or not, not, wasn't able to work or something came up. I was bouncing around all over the place. I was like, you know, the just a... I just, I wouldn't do lashes though. That was one thing you didn't want me doing because I would, people might die. But aside from that, I was really playing all these different roles, trying to help the team. And that's something that I think people don't always think like, I'm going to be the boss. Like I think you said earlier, you're not looking for people who just want to run a salon and be an absentee owner and just expect the business to, you know, make money for them. Right. Yeah. Lena is still inside of the the salon too, as well. And, And so Whenever I come there, she, she's taking out the trash, 
Mm-hmm. You know, she's cleaning the counter. She's, you know, filling up stock. You know, she's she's yep. doing the stuff that most stylists wouldn't want to do. And 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 for us too, you know, like that that's when we build our system, that's the mentality that we 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 have. And we we let the, the owners know, like, don't expect your stylists to do all of these things, yeah. you know. It's your business. Don't expect them to pass out flyers. Don't expect them to do all these different jobs. Yeah. Either you do it or you have to hire somebody to do it for you, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I, I think it's leading by example. And I, I think when we talk with potential partners, that's the question we ask is like, why do you want to do this? Are you passionate about lashes? Because I think with even with leadership, it's a learned skill too. Absolutely. You can learn. And I think we can help individuals to build that leadership skills, but you can't teach passion. You can't teach love. You can't teach care, you know, and yeah. those, those are the best bosses. No, you're right. I think sometimes people just think they're, it's, you're just a naturally born leader. And I think, no, no one is really rare. I mean, well, maybe there's a few people in the world that, that just come out of the womb and they're ready to lead troops in the battle. Most <laughs> of us have no idea. But that said, I do think there's certain personality traits that just come more naturally. So if you are a caring person, if you do are thoughtful, if you are a servant, like you have the heart where you want to serve others, that's different. I do think that is something that you are born with or not. And if you don't have that, that's going to be a hard way to bend around and change your personality. So you got to really see, you know, I always say, if you've been a leader all your life, then you might be good perfect for a salon. Like if you were in high school, you had people following you, you were the one starting the clubs, you were the one leading uh, events. You, when your teacher broke groups of people in the groups and they said, Hey, you, why don't you lead that group, that discussion time? That's a good sign that you're a leader and you have maybe the right skills to lead people. If you're always been the follower all your life and you've always been the last one to jump in or you're always quiet and reserved and backed off, you might still be a leader, but it's going to take a lot more work to bring that out of you. And it's going to be more difficult, I think, for you to take over a salon and immediately lead people because I think a lot of people are going to be like, why are you in charge? Because I can tell you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I also think maybe finding a, finding the right partner, you know, if mm-hmm. you, you, if you're able to find the right partner that balances you, balances you just like you two, or for, for us, I feel like Lena is very shy. She doesn't really <laughs> talk much to most people, you know, and, and but she's a lot better now, you know, yeah. like she's learned to become a better leader, you know, before we just like, Joseph, you, you say everything, you know, now she's able to put herself out there a little bit more, you know, but yeah, just, you just got to find somebody that really balance you and help can help, you know, run those different avenues that you're not strong at and what they're strong at, you know? So a lot of the times, you know, husband and wife couples make the best teams and yeah. they can also make the worst teams, but you know, like, <laughs> true about anything in life, right? There's no, nothing magical about being just married. That could be a potential time bomb. I've, I remember talking to some people who said they worked for husband and wife couples and they would bring their luggage from home to the business. And it was horrible. Like this, like yeah. they'd show up and they're bitching and moaning and yelling at each other. And just like, Oh my gosh, just keep that at home for crying out loud. But yeah, <laughs> so it, it can be dangerous. Just, we should wrap up soon, but I do want to ask a couple more questions and then we'll get this going because thank you guys for taking so much time out of your day to hang out with us. I just want to know what are some of the biggest mistakes you see new salon owners making? Cause you've obviously been training people, watching them, and maybe you've even seen some of your own people who've come on and they've kind of started off a little bit, maybe cocky or think they know it all. And then you're like, no, no, that's not how you do it, but they just do it anyways. Maybe where are some of the things that you think are some of the biggest mistakes you see new salon owners make? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is thinking that they're better than the employee. They're better than the client. You know, like I only work with certain clients or, you know, are are not willing to train. That's what it's about. That's exactly what it's about. You you know, um, another thing is communication. Sometimes, and we've experienced it, you know, in our first few employees, you know, we think that we clearly communicated, but we didn't. And there's misunderstanding. I think that they they know what I'm talking about, but they have no idea. And the next thing you know, you're blowing up at each other because, you know, you didn't communicate well, Yeah. you know, and there's because that's, there's no clear guidelines. There's no system. There's no, you know, systems that create trust for, for that. So, you know, those, those are some, some big, you know, uh, no, no's in, in, in you start your own business, you know, I, I, I anything else, Lena? Um, starting your own business. I, I think it just, Yeah, I think think you you hit it right on the head. Uh, The communication, we know that 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 was a big one too. And it took us a learning curve to understand. We used to, 
We used to lead by memo. We'd put yeah. stuff on the memo and think that people got it. You and then know? we forced them to sign the memo, thinking that somehow by them signing it meant they read it. No, no, I, no. You have to you have to make sure that they understand it in a way that they you know can receive it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to check in with them, make sure. Now, did you? What did I say there? Or what? You know, what did you hear me say? And make sure that they get it, because otherwise you can't you can't get mad at somebody if they if you didn't. It's your responsibility as the owner if somebody doesn't understand something, yeah. because it's your job, it's our job to train them. It's not our, their job. I mean, yes, communicating well is important, but also make sure they understand is my job too. So mm-hmm. I might communicate something, but then it's my job to make sure that they understand it. Because if I don't, if I just assume, well, I'm so brilliant, I communicated in three words and said it so fe- efficiently and great. That, that I'm a genius, and then you go out and you watch them perform, and like they're not doing anything I said. What's going on? They're they're a bad employer, or a bad owner. No, they're not. No, no, bad. no. You just I, didn't explain it in the way that they could hear. Yeah, it. I didn't yeah. speak their language. Uh, Lena reminds me all the time. Like whenever I talk to the, the girls at the corporate salon, you know, she's she always say, "Hey, um, you know, Sakura so, so likes to be spoken to gently. You know, like she doesn't like you telling her what to do." And then this yeah. one, you can be a little more direct. So you have to really understand your stylists too as an owner. Yeah. Yeah. You can't treat them all the same. You, you know, you you can't, you know, just go out there and say, "Hey, do this, do that," and 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 hope that they do it. You know, and so the other things are like expecting your employees to do everything. You know, don't expect them to clean up. Don't expect them to. I mean, most of them are pretty clean around their station, and that's what we. I, I tell all the new employees like, your job is to keep your your station clean. And then when you have free time and you're not doing anything and you want to help out, then feel free to clean the counters and do whatever else. But I don't expect it. I think. If you as an owner, you set the expectation of what you want from your employees straight, there's never going to be any miscommunication or confusion because I think that's the biggest thing is you expect your your stylists to be like this really smart person that's automatically going to know how to do everything already. And you didn't didn't teach them. So instead of getting mad at them for no reason and... And they could be good employees, you know. Yeah. I would apologize. The first few years I didn't do this, but towards the last half of our careers as salon owners, I realized I came to them all the time apologizing and saying, you know what? I never taught you that. I realized I never laid out how we do this. I can't get mad at you. In fact, I'm mad at myself because I'm the one that failed you. And I apologize. So let's walk this through now and, f- and show you how we like to do this in the future. Because things happen all the time. And then unless you've written it down and practice it and walk them through it, they're also not going to remember it. You know, the whole idea of owner for communication is something that was became a common theme for us. Is like you have to say this thing sometimes five, six, eight, twenty times before it finally begins to stick. And as a salon owner, you can't be impatient. You can't get mad. Like I've said this twenty times. What's wrong with you? It's like no, that's not how you lead. You can just keep doing it patiently, lovingly, and then you hold them accountable. And eventually, you know, if you as everyone knows, we're big on team based culture, team based pay. That system itself really will hold the team accountable and they'll start holding each other accountable once you're into that type of system, which I'm going to try to get you two guys on that. (laughs) We'll talk about more sometime. You know, I I think we've, we've created our system to where, you know, the biggest thing that salon owners are scared of is losing clients to stylists who want to leave. Yeah. You know, but I I think we've really taken a look at that. And and for the most part at our salon, of course, you're going to have the the few that leave here and there that like the stylists, but for the most part, we've been able to retain a lot of our customers, even though they left because of the, the, the experience and the culture that we have at our exactly. That's exactly that's, it. You build systems, right? Yeah. Strong systems. And that's what we, we had a walkout back in 2013. We realized we had built up a strong team, but not strong systems. So the clients weren't loyal to the salon. They were loyal to individuals. So we mm-hmm. changed that. So we went back and we retooled. This is when we hired strategies as our coaching company. And we basically made our company a strong culture and a strong system base so that basically clients now were loyal to the company. They weren't loyal anymore to the stylist. Now some, of course some left, but we averaged maybe five, 10% of the clients would leave with any stylist yeah. when they left, which is, I feel easily you can fix for that. You can get over that losing 50, 60% of your clients. Eh, that's more painful. It's a lot more work to recoup from. So, but yeah, it sounds like you guys have done that, which is another benefit of why people, if they were to franchise with you, they're going to get a model that's going to attract the clients to the company more than just to the stylist. Yeah, I think the, the, the culture that you provide and you create too is important for, for new salon owners. You gotta treat them like the way that you want to be treated, and you gotta create that culture where, you know, it's if it's about caring for each other, that's what it is. And luckily for us, you know, you know, being seven locations, like, you know, part of the way that we 
brought our culture. The stylists are able to transfer to other locations, even though it's not the, you know, the same owners. And oh, it's great. I think that, you know, all of our stylists like becoming, being a part of a big brand, you know, like yeah. that's, that's why we have like brand ambassadors with Borboletta and Sugarlash because they want to be something, yeah. something big, you know, and, and if you create that culture saying like, hey, there is something bigger beyond this. You can be a trainer. You, you can do this within our franchise model. Like, you know, there's opportunities. So it's all about how you portray yourself. Well, also R&Ding products and a new system to make it easier for lash artists. So we're always thinking for the lash artist perspective because the lash artists are comfortable. They stay, they make money for the business and they're happy. And so for us, we invest in every stylist. It's not a big turnaround where you just keep hiring. So we really take our time to um, care for each stylist and help their growth. But we're always thinking of innovative ways to better the system for them. Not just the system side, but just like how to our patent pending lash plate, lash yeah. plate that we're working on right now. Our stylists love it. You know, it just makes it a little bit more easy, organizing, ways to make it easier for them. Bring new tools, new tweezers, always bringing in the best stuff you for know, them. Comfortable chairs, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that their posture is right so they can do yeah. this long term. Electric beds so that they don't have to like hunch and, over. Uh, yeah, hunch over, yeah. Great lighting, things like that so that they're comfortable and they want to stay long term and good pay too. So it's just kind of really thinking behind the chair. That's why I think you guys you work guys, well, right? Because yeah. you think of that, you know, well, I'm sure Joseph, you're about the business, making sure the operations are working. Lena, it sounds like you're there to advocate for each stylist. Like they have an advocate in you to make sure that they're being cared for and their needs are met. It's a great team. And it sounds like you guys have an amazing product, a great opportunity for lots of people. One of the big takeaways I want people to get from this, and I think this is if you're building a salon, that you really need to think about this and as you're building it. Because I've seen this in you. I see this in Mike and Shauna with Live Bay. And I know that worked for us in our last few years before we closed is that you got to give your team something bigger to be part of. It can't just be about lashes. I just come and do lashes all day. Just be a drone because eventually that will lead to boredom. And eventually, I mean, there's some, there's some people that love the same work, but most people want to aspire to be something bigger than themselves. Like you guys offer this company is like a big opportunity to be part of something bigger. Live Bay, same thing. People can be trainers. They can be managers. They can work in the product line. They can work in all these different opportunities. I know for us, we gave people opportunities for people to speak at conferences. We had people opportunities to train. We had opportunities to be managers within our own salon. And so when we did that, we realized, wow, all of a sudden we saw people coming to life. And people were more excited about working there and the team unified even more because you had the team themselves now were taking great ownership over it. And I think if most people just think, I'm just going to open a place and I'm just going to hire a bunch of people, throw them in there, going to be my minions and they're going to work for me and it's, I'm going to be a last boss, blah, blah, blah. You're going to find yourself this revolving door. I mean, it's, it's going to happen anyways in our industry just because the, the nature of the industry with Instagram and all that. But there will be at least a little bit more stability, I think, for you, a little bit longevity. Yeah, they have to have something to look forward to. And that's why I think Lena and I currently we're, we're working on in-house financing for a lot of our stylists who want to open their own salon. It's kind of an opportunity to, to It is a big chunk amount of money and not everyone has it up front. But if yeah. you have the passion, you have the drive for it. I mean, I, I think everyone why not? Everyone needs an you opportunity know? and someone to believe in them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's your chance to give back, right? You're going to invest in them, and since they gave yeah. and supported you and grown in your company, now it's time chance for you guys to give back to them, and hopefully, God willing, they'll do that down the road years from now when they've grown a business, right? It's that circle that we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. yeah exactly. Circle. Very cool. Well, where can people find you guys on Instagram, on websites, and all that type of stuff? Yeah, so you can find us at lashbar.com, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, go to the, just go to the franchise page and, and, and look for us there. Our Instagram is lashbarusa, and then our product site is lashbar.pro. So you can go on there. I think we've finally decided to open it to the public, and so all of the things we've been innovating, you can find there. So everything lashbar you can find there, and so that's really exciting. Cool. Now I know you're in San Diego area. Are you franchising outside of San Diego yet, or are you still trying to keep? relatively close to you for now just you know so you can continue to grow the brand our, our 2020 goal was to go to go nationally we had interest in chicago um florida norcal <laughs> new york but COVID hit and so yeah. we, we kind of things, things down a little <laughs> but yeah so so we're looking to become a national company okay. um and i think i think we're ready for it so okay. um if anybody wants to reach out and just have a conversation even if you do decide to do it or not it's okay you know just uh 
have somebody to talk to you and see if you're if it's something that you want to do. Cool. Well, thanks for making yourself available for our our listeners. I think that you guys bring a wealth of knowledge and a very special opportunity for the right people. So thank you. Hopefully we'll have you guys back. I mean, I really, I, I feel like we barely got through any of the questions we, <laughs> we came up with. I wrote like a couple of pages here, but yeah, that's okay. We, I think we'll we got some good tips. We'll have to have you back sometime, maybe next year and to learn a bit more, <laughs> especially if you eventually in the branching outside of San Diego area, maybe we can let, share some of your lessons learned as you go through that process. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can have more specific topics versus, you know, yeah. the, yeah, this is get to know you episode. So, guys, thanks so much for joining us today, and it's been a pleasure and an honor. It was a pleasure and honor for us as well. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. That's it, guys. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my last partner, Tustin, as well as our special guests, Joseph and Lena, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 